Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When I saw that Norman Lear died, I... I just was stricken because 101 is a long time to live. Number two, I knew how he had changed television. He was just somebody I'd I'd forgotten about. And there's many of them, aren't there? When we really look back at where we are. But at the same time, too, I was struck by something different, that the things that he brought forward were things that really matter now. And I'm not alone as we come to grips with Norman Lear and celebrate a life. Boy, does it resonate with a lot of things that we're looking at today. My next guest is uh, getting there, has been writing about it. Michael Schneider is a TV editor at Variety, joining us from hopefully sunny Los Angeles. Michael, how are you? Good afternoon. I'm great. Okay, I hope you're enjoying Otani. We didn't really want him anyway. <laughs> you can have him, and I hope it's worth all that money. So if you're a ball fan, I, there was kind of a fusion happening between Toronto and L.A. yesterday. Cheers to you. You got him. <laughs> yeah, there's right, a lot well, of celebrating here. A lot of money. Is there? A yeah, lot a lot of money, even in the hub of entertainment, seven hundred million, even uh, over those years. But it's a lot of money, and let's hope there's no buyer's remorse. Uh, Michael <laughs> Norman Lear, and he's still being, you know, as we pick through what he did on TV, and there are whole new generations who really just don't appreciate it, and I'm sure they are now. Michael, you know, you you wrote a piece too about it, kind of was what I was saying. It's sad to say goodbye and we do a tribute to somebody, but boy, as we look at everything that's happening around us now, we've got to marvel at what Norman Lear's, Lear did. And there are, as I said, a couple of age groups only now getting the impact he had on society. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he's, he's had a big influence on a lot of uh, current showrunners and, and TV shows. So the, the impact of Norman Lear does have a long tail. And even if people don't realize that the shows that they're watching now are directly correlated to Norman Lear's influence, uh, well, that's, that is the case. And so, yeah, it's tough to say gone too soon at age 101. But <laughs> nonetheless, this one really does sting. And, you know, he's been around all of our lives. And it is you know, tough now to imagine a, a world without Norman Lear and his influence, especially because he was still so active, even uh, you know as he turned a hundred, uh, you know, doing as much as anyone half his age. Absolutely. Let's go back again and just retrace the things that he did. You know, I, I I was just jolted when I saw and remembered Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. That was groundbreaking just to begin with. I mean, he did one after another after another, kind of opening up and showing us people's lives, but he didn't live that life, did he? 
Yeah, from the you know 1970s is when his shows really had a dramatic impact. He, of course, had been doing television for years, uh, and before that was even a World War II war hero. Uh, but yeah, really starting with All in the Family, and then some of the spinoffs from those shows like Good Times and The Jeffersons, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, like you mentioned. I mean, so many of these shows that he did uh, really pushed the boundaries of what you could do on television and changed the game in terms of uh, what sitcoms look like, what they talked about, how they uh, addressed real life issues and, and weren't just uh, you know farces that had no sort of uh, bearing on our real lives. His shows did, and that really changed the game. It did. I just want to go back to Mary Hartman, Barry Hartman. I remember it was just such a weird thing. <laughs> it was, it had like a a really crazy vibe about it. What was the message, Michael? Do you remember? Yeah, well, that one was sort of a parody of, of late night soap operas. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was an experiment. It was on every single night. So it sort of parodied yeah. soap operas, especially late night. And, yeah, it was it was uh, kind of surreal. It was kind of out there. It was definitely an experiment. It didn't last too long, but it did have an impact on culture. And it did lead to some spinoffs, including Fernwood Tonight. Uh, but, yeah, that that's definitely one that's a more interesting footnote. And I know they've been talking about trying to do a modern version of Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. That's been in development for a while. So maybe we will see a new version of that again. Yeah, I I can imagine. And that would work very well, actually, in our, our modern world. What about the key one? What about all in the family? I, I mean, when you look back, it's still referenced today. Everybody knows if you call someone Archie Bunker what it is. But boy, that opened up the doors of North American families, didn't it? I mean, it was a, it was a mind-blowing experience when that happened. Yeah, it's a show that, you know, it was a comedy, but it talked about some, I mean, first off, it was very funny, but then it also talked about some real issues about race, about uh, money, about the war, uh, about women's rights, uh, you know, a lot of things that then were repeated on some of the spinoff shows, like Maud in particular, uh, that really addressed some of these issues head on uh, and were funny at the same time. Yeah, it was funny at the same time. And he managed, I mean, the writing and, and the characters were just so knowable, weren't they? There was somebody's mother, somebody's grandmother, somebody's grandfather. And it was healing in a way. Even, I mean, when Archie said things, people saw what they heard, but yet they yeah. immediately saw all the other sides. Yeah, they, these were multidimensional characters, and I go back to how television, uh, you know, up until then, sitcoms really were, uh, you know, uh, comic in, in that these were not real people. They they were exaggerated. They they weren't. They didn't have much depth. They they you know did the pratfalls and they did the the large comedy. But shows like All in the Family went deeper and and showed characters and, and multidimensional characters. I mean, Archie Bunker was a bigot. He he was someone who we should, you know, hate the things that were coming out of his mouth, but at the same time, he was such a richly drawn character that, you know, we 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 saw that character and and you know, we knew those people. We knew those characters and you know, the complications that we have of life where we can love people uh, but absolutely hate what they say or do and that's messy. That's like real life. It is. And, you know, when you saw it, you also saw the human side of him, too. You did. You saw him struggling with it. And it seemed very helpful at the time. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and I think uh, you know the, the the goal was for people to sort of relate and and hopefully learn something and maybe learn something about themselves and, and look inward a little bit. In, in that you know life is more complicated; it's not just black or white. So you know that's you know what I think Norman hoped people got out of uh, All in the Family in particular. And you know he was concerned some people didn't quite get it. Uh, you know some mm-hmm. people just you know they they. They liked Archie uh, without really understanding <laughs> yeah. that, no, it's more complicated than that. Uh, and, and perhaps that character sort of, uh, you know, got, got a little too uh, you know, blurry in terms of what we were supposed to get out of it. But nonetheless, it, it, was, it was a learning lesson. Michael, I just want to ask you, I mean, I think it's a great point to stop here and discuss where we are and and Norman Lear. You know, so many of the things that we're unfortunately experiencing, I led the show with it today as we watch anti-Semitism, we're saying and hearing people say stuff that we didn't think they were going to say. And then you think of Norman Lear and how he opened up those curtains here. Do we need Norman Lear right now? Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, Norman was very politically active. Uh, You know, he had founded a a number of organizations. Uh, uh, His advocacy was famous. He he founded uh, the People for the American Way, uh, which uh, was was all about sort of, uh, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, we we had these kind of conversations and discussions. you know, he founded a couple of other organizations as well that did the same thing. And, and I think he was horrified to see the direction that the world was going. Uh, and uh, the past couple of years, you know, again, like I mentioned, he fought in World War II. He, he was a bomber pilot. Uh, you know, he he fought to stamp out mm-hmm. uh, the, the, you know, the far right and uh, the creeping tide of, of the Nazis. And to see a lot of that rhetoric returning to see hate on the rise, uh, it disturbed him. And that's one thing that I think is sort of makes me sad about the death of Norman Lear is that's what he saw at the end of his life. And, and he didn't get a chance to see that turnaround. And we're, that's where we're probably at a biggest loss is we don't have his voice out there now as a voice of reason anymore. Yeah, he told you he was frightened of it. It scared him and he wouldn't be alone. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we're all kind of scared right now of of the the direction that uh, the, the world is going, and um, yeah, it's it's troubling times, it's dark times, and that's why we need uh, you know Norman Lear's voice, and we need people to carry on his work uh, more than ever. And when we look to, I think it's it's helpful to look at the journey of it. Maud, one of the big spinoffs as well, is such a popular show. And there was a whole episode about abortion with the character who was not young at the time that this was being contemplated, really kind of echoing and getting inside what was a taboo subject, certainly on television. And now we have the reversal of Roe versus Wade, and it remains to be seen how politically that's going to affect America in the next presidential election. Right, right. Yeah, the the irony that that mod episode came in 1972, a year before Roe versus Wade became law, and then for for him to see it uh, reversed, uh, you know, just uh, last year, um, you know, we've come full circle, and and uh, you know we're kind of going in the wrong direction now in this country. And and that's very concerning. 
It is. You know, and he did other things other than television shows, didn't he? In your piece, you talk about him traveling around with a copy of the Declaration of Independence and touring the country. So he's, he was trying to use his fame and celebrity any way he could. Yeah, and that goes back to you know his desire to get people more involved, uh, for there to be more of a civic discourse, and, and for people to really think about uh, their freedom and, and also uh, protecting that. And you know, again, the democracy under attack here in the United States. It's a reminder that you know Norman warned us that democracy is precious, it's fragile, and we need to protect it at all costs. And that's something that uh, you know again. Now that he's gone, uh, I hope others can carry that on, and, and we all sort of think about Norman as we prepare for what's going to be a uh, fairly brutal 2024 election cycle here in the U.S. Yeah, you, you got it. I want to ask you, you know, with all your experience looking at these things, is there any uh, any kind of... Um, copying emulation that's happening right now. Is anybody doing this? You know, you think we've come so far with the things we're doing and saying and technology, but are we doing Norman Lear's? Are we talking about the difficulties right now in television shows? Um, You know, you see it some, uh, you know, much more, uh, you know, shows like Mom that Chuck Lorre did a couple of years ago that uh, dive deep into addiction and, there are other shows now that uh, discuss race and uh, discuss women's rights. Uh, you know, if if anything, you know, there are more creators now, more shows doing those kind of things. But, you know, we live in an age where, uh, you know, it's not the broadcast networks anymore. It's, uh, you know, everyone's viewing yeah. is fragmented. So uh, those kind of shows don't have the same kind of impact that the Norman Lear shows had back in the day when the majority of people were watching all in the family on a Saturday night, uh, you know, you just don't get that kind of, uh, you know, cohesive, broad viewing anymore. People all watch what they want to watch on their own. So what's sad is we live in this fragmented age where you can't have that same kind of impact that normally or once had. It's true. It's true. And I I wonder if he thought about it, as you say, I mean, he, because it's all over the place now. That was appointment TV. We had nowhere to go. There were guardrails. And now the guardrails have been lifted along with all the permission to go in these places. It, it might not be a, a world that even Norman Lear can save now. Right. I mean, it's it's so much bigger than it used to be. And it's just a different world now. And uh, yeah, I mean, Norman was still doing he was still producing shows. He was still doing things you know, up until, you know, 101. So, you know, his last show, major show was a reboot of One Day at a Time, which did very well. It was on Netflix uh, and mm-hmm. a lot of people watched it, but, you know, not not a huge, broad audience the way they might have watched the original back in the day when you only had three networks. How is how is this discussion going over in your business? You know, as we talk about the impact of Norman Lear, are people realizing things? Is there a, is is there a an agreement in the study of entertainment and the reporting on entertainment that those things are, are possible, or have others moved into other areas? I, I'm just wondering. You know, as we look at society and wonder how do we get there, is the covering of these things at a different point as well? Yeah, I mean, I think people talk about it all the time, and, and there was a real renaissance over the past couple of years of, of people wanting to emulate Norman and, and uh, you know, a lot of people citing Norman Lear as, as their inspiration. Uh, you know, Kenya Barris, who created Blackish, 
uh, for a good example. Um, there have been a number of shows in recent years uh, from the likes of uh, Phil Rosenthal and Chuck Lorre, like I mentioned, Kenya Barris, uh, that, that continued sort of that mantle. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the good thing about the streaming revolution is there's enough room for more shows uh, to, to tackle tough subjects. And so you do have shows that are doing that. But, you know, it's, it is just a different age. And, uh, you know, people are, you know, the, the business has changed. It has changed. What about the power power of the message? Is it still possible? It may not be in the hands of of TV networks, but it is in the hands still of TV. Look at the new power of Netflix to go into places as well. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, TV still has uh, you know its power. Of course, social media has probably usurped that quite a bit, and social media has more power, and that's dangerous in its own right in that, you know, social media is much more unchecked and much more dangerous. Uh, and and so it's, again, technology has changed the impact of, of programming. It has. Finally, I'm going to ask you, you know, as we look and we talk about shows like, well, in the family and the discussion, did it help things? Do you think that things may have been different? If he didn't open those things up, how do you think those shows changed who people were at that time? Yeah, I think, you know, it definitely changed entertainment quite a bit. Um, it, it, I think, allowed people to show more realistically uh, the world that we're surrounding. Uh, you know, it was interesting that around the same time in the 70s is when you had a revolution in filmmaking as well. So I think, you know, part of that was the impact of, uh, you know, evolution in, in the culture in general. Uh, so it's it's hard to say what would have happened otherwise and, and how long it would have taken for TV to open up a bit more. But, yeah, those, those shows definitely had an impact. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 